Hello, everyone. Welcome back, and thank you for tuning in to Hi There Social Sesh. I'm Keegan. And I'm Jamie. And thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. We are a cannabis podcast, and we're here to talk about cannabis news, the latest trends, a little bit about what we love and hate. And also, we want to introduce you to an amazing guest today. So, Thanks for being here. Yeah. And um, Hi There Social Sesh, as the name would suggest, brought to you by Hi There. Hi There is a social cannabis app, a community of cannabis enthusiasts, you know, looking to create, connect, and learn together. You see on other platforms that cannabis content is often censored, pushed away, but that's not what we do at Hi There. Uh, We promote it. We highlight it. We celebrate it. And uh, that's kind of what we're trying to do also with the podcast, sort of an extension of the ethos of Hi There and the Hi There app. So if you do want to learn more about Hi There, you can go ahead and search Hi There, H-I-G-H, there in your app store, or you can click the link in our bio to learn more. But yeah, we are here again with the social sesh. Um, I think we're, uh, Jamie and I haven't talked in a while. I don't think it's, it's been a minute, uh, probably our last episode. So I think we are just kind of like getting back into the groove here, uh, kind of catching up with each other. So, uh, yeah, another, you know, another episode here we are. Time just keeps rolling on. (laughs) Yeah. And we're back and we're back. And, um, I just want to tell you about my life because Oh, you're so interested. I am. It's been it's so been pretty. weeks. Yeah, I went to the Renaissance Fair yesterday. I saw that. I, I I saw that on your story. Where where is the Renaissance Fair? Or so where... it's in Irwindale. I don't know if I'm saying it right, like Irwindale, but like, um, it's between us. So I live like in the suburbs, like an hour out of LA. You're right. in like the thick of LA, so it's like between us. Um. But my son is four and he loves dressing up. Like his whole life is in costume, you know? Um, And then like, we're huge nerds, like COVID hit and Zelda, like Breath of the Wild, the game was like our lifeblood. Like we'd wake up, play as a, go to bed, you know? So um, that whole like Ren Faire vibe is totally his vibe and like, we went there yesterday. It was amazing. Um, it was exhausting. It was expensive, but it was good. And we had so much fun. But like, I woke up today. I'm like, oh, like even my kids, like they woke up and they're like, I don't want to go to school. I don't want to do this. I'm like, me either. Like mommy has to record a podcast and I'm so tired, you know, like, oh, let's just stay in bed all day. But it was, I love the Ren Fair because like we walked in. And there was, like, a beautiful person, like, completely airbrushed, like, head to toe, dressed like a fairy slash sheep. I don't know. But, like, just, like, a beautiful, like, you know, just beautiful people being themselves. And, like, we brought my niece, who's 14. And, you know, that age is hard. But, like, it was just nice to be somewhere. It's, like, it doesn't matter who you are, how you express yourself, like you are accepted. So I don't know. I just came out of it. Like it's not my first time there, but I haven't been there a lot, but like leaving an experience where everyone like loves you and it doesn't matter what you look like or who you are, like you're accepted. It's just so amazing. So yeah. I love that. Well, you're also, I love everything you're saying about it because I feel that way about like Renaissance fairs, about a lot of like conventions and cosplay and different things like that. Is I feel like those spaces that is a reason why it draws a lot of people there because it's kind of like, yeah, just come as however you want to be. And, you know, like obviously, like as long as you're not like hurting anyone or like being offensive or anything, which like no one ever is, it's like, then we love you and we're going to celebrate you and embrace you. I love that. I should go to that one because I, there was a Renaissance Fair in Colorado, but the last time I went would have been like, I don't know, 2015 or 16. It's been like years. And, and I remember, I mean, I loved it as a kid. Um, I loved it then. Uh, I would also love, I feel like I'm a lot more into like dressing up, I guess, going back to what I was just saying, you know, raves, 
I feel that way about raves and I feel that way about like, you know, a lot of the club scenes and different places I go to. Um, I love dressing up and I love making it a whole event and it just feels very much that same vibe of just like, no matter who you are, whatever, like we're all here to just enjoy ourselves together. I don't know. It's nice to find your little space in the world that's safe, you know, that's not necessarily the world we always live in. And so it was beautiful. And I'm like peeking over it. I don't know. I feel like sometimes those weekends can be the hardest to come out of, of just being like, wow, I was just doing something so separate from my usual. Whereas like, yeah, if I have a weekend where I'm kind of just laying around the house or I'm even doing a little work or whatever, I feel like the Monday feels easier in a way. It's kind of like, okay, well, I'm kind of already acclimated. But if I spent the entire weekend like out and about doing things, whatever, or like just completely separate, it can feel a lot harder. Like that's spot on. Like you're, you know how I'm feeling. Yeah. I mean, I'm just like, I, I feel like I'm perpetually in my, for the, the people who are watching, I have a little blanket right here. And I'm so ridiculous because it's what, like, so cute, though. it's like 63 degrees. I just, I woke up and I was like, it's cloudy and I'm cold. And it's just like, yeah, I, well, and then, so that's me um, on the other side of it. My, me suddenly just becoming this like SoCal baby is that happening but then also when it's like pushing 80 now like there's been those couple of days where it's like in the high 70s or like low 80s especially in the afternoon my apartment gets hot and i've started being on the other side I'm like well now it's hot well now it feels too hot and i'm just like he can shut up like can you be pleased like can you just please wrap yourself in that little blanket like that is the cutest thing i've ever seen our guest I comes hope... in and I'm just like fully. <laughs> no, that's what I want. Like I'm actually living now. <laughs> Thank Oopsie. Yeah. But well, I guess we should, guy, yeah, I feel like I could just, we should have a whole pod. We can have a whole podcast of just catching up and talking about things. But um, this is a cannabis podcast. So I suppose we should roll into cannabis a bit. Yeah. Fair enough. So I know that you um, had a news story. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just thought this was interesting. Um, well, and it's tough because I suppose this is hard to quantify, you know, but it was Leafly and Real Estate Witch uh, analyzed a number of criteria essentially to rank the best and worst U.S. cities for cannabis. And obviously, like, you know, you could go to another publication or you could whatever, and, and they might have a different list, but these two analyzed criteria like legality of weed or, you know, dispensary data, weed prices, along with a number of other things, sort of acceptance of weed, how hyped people are on it, um, accessibility. There were a lot of factors. Um, so I think they quantified it decently. And ultimately, they named Portland, Oregon as the best U.S. city for weed, which I can't really speak to. I've never been to Portland. But According to the report, uh, Portland has nearly 4.5 times more dispensaries than the average U.S. city and also some of the cheapest high-quality ounces, which they said are uh, 210 on average, uh, about 34% less than the national average of 316 an ounce uh, for high-quality. Um, they also had like a ton of other little tidbits I'll just throw out here before I give us the top 10 and we can chat a little bit about it. But um, D.C. had the most expensive weed. Uh, Oklahoma City had the most dispensaries, 48.7 per 100,000 residents, about 16 times more than average, which is interesting because they are medical only. Uh, Oklahoma also had the most cannabis prescribing doctors, so uh, Oklahoma's going for it. And then there was a few uh, cities where they actually included the amount of taco bells there were and i i believe san jose was like up there like one of the higher ones it said that there was 19.4 taco bells per 100,000 residents um so just a fun tidbit but yeah after portland it was denver buffalo new york uh seattle washington baltimore maryland las vegas nevada and then four California cities, Sacramento, San Diego, L.A. coming in ninth, and then San Fran at 10th. Yeah, no, I think I think it is interesting. Like, obviously, like, I think us living here, like, we already know, like, California has been really awful to the weed scene. 
Yeah. Um, I think maybe like if you were looking at like the black market or like the gray market or the Alyssa market or the legacy market, like whatever you want to call it, like things are still fun. I don't know, you know, but um, if we're looking at what is on paper, um, I don't know. I can't get away from the talk about fact. Like I'm just <laughs> like, I don't eat meat. I've been a vegetarian since I was like 14. So like, I'm not a big fast food person, um, but I'm distracted by the Taco Bell thing. Cause, have like, you had vegan Taco Bell? Side note, like, well, I've I'd have like. You can, uh, that's why I'm saying you can veganize it. I'm not saying it's, it's still Taco Bell, but Taco Bell has one of the most like plant based friendly menus of a lot of fast food places. I'm not. Yeah, no, I I definitely like. I will get down on like a veggie crunch wrap, but I feel like yeah. obviously, or like a veggie um, Mexican pizza, not mad about it. Yeah. Um, so like I was distracted by that, but really when it comes down to it, like my first thought when it comes to Oregon is like Oregon and Washington have had such a hard time, right? Like it was almost like the, like the precedent to what California is going through. Yeah. You know, had so much surplus of cannabis that the price was dropped so low i mean even say five years ago you know like i remember seeing it and it was they were struggling so now seeing that they're one of the friendliest places still like it's it's encouraging you know it's kind of hard yeah it's kind of hard to really bring in the entire picture because there is so much else that really goes into it that it's like okay maybe this is good for consumers but what about the big picture or what does this look like in six months or what you know like you said what drives the prices of weed lower and what does that actually mean for the market and for the people uh who are growing it and who are manufacturing and who are actually in the industry and then i guess conversely you know they rank the the bottom 10 cities and that's the other thing is just the bottom 10 is just sort of like the opposite of like which places have the most stringent laws which places have the highest prices which places have the least dispensaries and it's like okay yeah but you know even that i think all of their all of them are, me are medical only i think there's a couple texas ones which like texas doesn't really have a medical program no but hopefully they will soon right like, yeah that's what that's what i wanted to bring up like last week um, Texas just had their house passed, allowing their medical cannabis program to be expanded, which means that they will allow for more, more qualifying conditions for things like chronic pain, which we all know is very vast. So that that's allowing a lot of people to, to gain access to safe cannabis. Um, but also they're removing their cap of 1% THC, which Really, at that point, it's almost like CBD only, you know, like you're not, that's not in my like humble opinion, that's not a cannabis program. Like if well, you're kind of what I was, that's kind of what I was referencing. And I'm happy that you, uh, this was your topic too, because exactly it's like, it's a step in the right direction. Cause when you're saying less than 1%, A, that's not how a lot of medical programs even like cap out dosing if they do. And B, it's it's a cbd only program and at that point it's like you can get cbd in at like most most of the states like it, like easily and um yeah so at that point it's like what are we doing you know not much not well. much you know it's i get it like i appreciate cbd i appreciate all the cannabinoids but also it's like if you're not going to allow for like any thc you're missing the point, uh -huh. you know? And it's like, I had a grandma, like I, I still have a grandma. I shouldn't say it like that, but my grandma, sorry, grandma to put you out there, but like she battled cancer uh -huh. and I was able to make edibles for her. Um, and this was like 10 years ago. And like, she told me it saved her life. Yeah. Just having access to THC to remind her in her psyche that it's going to be okay and I can survive. Sometimes I think we get spoiled or we feel spoiled a little bit, or I, I, I do at least personally have tried to always remember, uh, what things were like before, um, and recognizing that like this new normal that we have, we're pretty lucky 
for. No, we we are lucky. Um, we are definitely lucky, especially like living here and living in California. You know, um, we've had access since like 1996. We're very lucky, you know. Um, but I we have a guest, and I would love to introduce her. Please do. Yeah. So, um, we have Diana Crash on today. She's a cannabis journalist and she's a podcast host. Hello. Um, and she has Your Highness podcast and both getting personal with plant medicine. She's also served as the editor of a magazine, Canna Curious. And she was recently nominated for Global Cannabis Times 100 Most Influential People. Uh, and that's for her work on her podcast, Your Highness. So we are super excited to have, Di- to have Diana here with us. And she's going to talk about her life as a podcaster, her life as a writer and editor. And that's obviously something that's like really close to our hearts, right, Keegan? Like, that's the life we live in, and she's living it with, with us. So um, let's let her in. I'm excited. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. Good. It's nice to meet you. I'm trying to... <laughs> nice to meet you. I'm trying to fix my camera, but I just keep moving myself further and further to the side. I don't know. <laughs> You're all good. It's so nice to see you. Thanks for being on with us today. Oh, thanks for having me. As we are on a podcast right now, and can't, uh, and Jamie and I just uh, started it, what, like a couple months ago. Um, I'm definitely curious to hear a little bit more about your experience with your podcast. I guess what sort of changed, you know, since you started it versus now it's been a handful of years, not only with the podcast, but also, you know, with the industry and, you know, like, how have you seen that sort of shift along with your own personal style with what's happening bigger picture? Well, in the beginning, it sounds so weird because... All right, so in the beginning of it, what, six years ago, a little over six years ago when I started to really kind of come up with the idea, plan it out and all of this, um, and when I started interviewing my first guest, one of them was actually Lisa Snyder from um, Tokativity, and she had said that she felt like cannabis was kind of like high school and that they were sophomores, and you know, even though they had been in it for a couple of years, it still felt like a lot longer and i had a lot of people telling me back then that the cannabis industry feels like dog ears i say cat ears because i feel like (laughs) it's kind of an in-between of like it's a warped time frame right but it's like not what you experience everywhere else when it comes to how long it seems like when i say six years ago it really feels like 10. (laughs) you know It, it was so different back then we didn't have anything to really model after. There was a handful of cannabis-related podcasts, but they were either very scientific, you know, or it was just like a couple of people saying, all right, we're just going to smoke a J or whatever and just talk. There wasn't a lot of interviewing to model after, and there was a lot less of that was um, for women identifying folks. And so I was doing content marketing and digital marketing. And I was also um, writing in my own purse. I call it my personal writing journalism, my own stories that I like to chase after and and ideas and concepts and such like that. I I do that in my freelance writing. And for a while I had been writing about Kratom and other types of plant medicine. And cannabis was starting to become more widely discussed. So I started looking into writing about that and also exploring it with my content marketing and i actually met someone from the cannabis women's alliance her name was morgan christine and i started writing blogs for her and she was really willing to give me a chance and she was like what do you think i can do to increase visibility and so i was listening to podcasts at the time but it was still even though they had been around for a really long time still very new to a lot of people so She had no idea what I was talking about. And she was basically like, yeah, all right, you think this will work? Let's do it. So it started off as a way to get visibility, you know, and a lot of people do that. They start podcasts for business-related reasons, right? 
And so mine was kind of for that and also to maybe get some clients of my own in my own content marketing and content creation type of work. So that was basically the, the impetus. And I have seen it change so drastically. It's hard to even put into words because, you know, people make jokes like who doesn't have a podcast? And um, that is true. <laughs> there are so many podcasts out there, millions. But um, what has changed for me is that I've become such a fan of podcasts. I thought I was back then, but I am podcast all the time. Like this podcasting is a passion for me now. So I am just trying to put all of my energy into that form of storytelling because while I do write and, you know, create other types of content, I think this is such an amazing way for people to learn while they're also doing other things, which is such a big deal for someone like me um, who is neurodivergent. I need to multitask. <laughs> so um, even though I'm a voracious reader and writer, I, I, I can't consume all the content I want to all day because I have a tiny human and I work from home and, you know, insert a billion other reasons. So podcasting really gives me a different way of learning and and being entertained and so i really am excited about podcasts as a whole and i don't know if i even answered your question <laughs> I, went, I went on a journey there <laughs> i'm sorry it's so good it it really resonates with me like um i feel the same way like i am doing a million things all the time like i'm a mom too like i get you know um but like i can't take a shower without listening to do a podcast like I can't get ready without like I need multiple things at once like I remember being a kid and I do homework with the tv on you know like that's just who I am how I how I exist so I think like the type of content is really special because it allows people to learn and feel like they're making friends you know there's certain podcasts I listen to I feel like I'm friends with these people they don't know but we're friends you know um so I'm the same way. It's like I've written for so long. I've edited for so long. But like this podcast journey, I feel like I'm really meeting people. And like just having you here, you know, it's a lot deeper. You're able to really explore with one another. And yeah. It's, so I don't, And not to cut you off, but something special about writers, I think, with podcasting is like when you write all this stuff that you put your heart into... And then people go, oh, you write for a living? Like, what do you write? And then you, <laughs> you try to give them some idea. And then you send them a link. And then they don't read it. And if they do, they read the first paragraph. I mean, you both can can really, I'm sure, understand that feeling. And so for podcasting, for me, I can say to my grandmother, listen to this, you know, and send her the link. And know that she'll at least listen to some of it. <laughs> It's another way to share your journalism, your storytelling, I feel. It's a more accessible way of being like, this is what I do. I did want to ask, um, I guess, going back to the podcast a little bit more, because you do have the uh, the two podcasts. And I was curious if you could, just for uh, you know, listeners, uh, tell us a little bit more uh, just about sort of what you do and what the Your Highness podcast and also the Getting Personal with Plant Medicine podcast sort of look like today and what folks can expect when they listen. Sure. So Your Highness podcast, I have done it a little bit, but it started off as a way to highlight women identifying folks in the cannabis industry, primarily entrepreneurship. And I would say like during the third season, I started to kind of regroup and say, all right, I want my podcast to reflect my journalism in a way. I want to put the stories on my show that I am not getting published, that are either being ignored by editors or just, you know, edited to a certain way where it's not really saying what I want to say. And that's no shade to editors because I am one, but you know what I'm saying here. We have advertisers, things like that to think about. That's what I'm talking about. And so I started to use it as an outlet for that, you know, really getting what I say uncomfortable 
getting comfortable with the uncomfortable is pretty much our tagline. Um, and we try to do it in an entertaining way. And it began with women identifying folks, but now it's more about people who are fighting the status quo. And I just basically try to look for different things to talk about that go a little bit beyond why did you start this brand or why are you in Canvas space? I mean, those conversations are valid and I've had a lot of them, <laughs> but, um, I'm like, what else do you want to talk about? What do you think isn't being talked or discussed enough in this space? And so basically we go from there. And sometimes I just do specials, you know, I might do like right now I'm doing a dispensary series. I, I haven't started it yet, but it's going to happen this season where I'm highlighting dispensary owners. So that will have a little more of a business slant to it. Um, and I'm also creating, I have other podcasts in development right now and getting personal with plant medicine was actually a project that I call a branded podcast. I'm not the only, I didn't coin that term for the record, <laughs> but our sponsor for your highness podcast, Mitra Gaia is a Kratom supplier that I've been using for years. And I presented the idea to them of having a branded podcast that would be general. It would be like talking to your best friend about your plant medicine journey. It's supposed to be about all types of plant medicine. And when I say that, I'm talking about food and, you know, just looking at plants in a very holistic way, but also in a very personal way. So we talk about things like you know, being a parent who's in the public, you know, who has a public persona, who is also a cannabis user. We talk about um, psilocybin and the importance of finding your community when you're starting off in that kind of a journey. So we look that that's more of a personal story podcast. That's the vibe, you know, and, and that you're finding your community and uh, which is very important when you're doing anything alternative to the status quo <laughs> especially as a parent too like i get that because like obviously like who i am and what i do is very out there um but it can be you know a little daunting especially if like i consume extra and then i'm sitting there and i'm like am i putting too much out there am i being too honest with my plant journey um but i think it's like allowing a space for people to come and feel welcome and get that not like whitewashed version of, you know, what it's supposed to look like versus like, no, yeah, I ate some mushrooms yesterday and went to the park with my kids. Like, that's what I did. It was a little bit of mushrooms. It was like a microdose and I just felt better. I didn't feel much, but like it was okay and, and that's okay. But like, it's like, you're not supposed to say that's okay. You're not supposed to say it's okay to live the life we're living a lot of the time, but that's the life we're living and everyone's safe. So that's... And isn't it, it so funny? I mean, not funny, ironic, not not like funny, haha, but like ironic, I guess, more so that I, I was just thinking about like the 50s and, and that whole era, like the valleys of the doll, the valley of the dolls, right? That, that book. And I... I just remember reading that book and like how many drugs they were on and and it was like just just a normal book that people were reading no one, no one was like oh oh my gosh they're pumping these people full of you know meth and what methamphetamines and whatever else they're I mean I'm talking like hardcore and just in little pills they're just like just take your pill you're fine and and that was okay that was normalized on such a level that like when they made the movie of it, no one was really talking about the Trumpies so much. Yeah, it wasn't, oh, not good parents because they're, you know, jacked out of their brains. Like, I mean, I don't even know how you describe that, but we're okay with that, you know? I think like the discussion should be more about, you know, breaking generational trauma and, you know, toxic patterns and parenting. But like, it's such low hanging fruit to be like, oh, well, you're getting high while you're with your kids. And it's like, please, we, <laughs> we need to take a look back here and see how high our grandparents were when they were raising our parents and go from there. 
Yeah. <laughs> and I, 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 it's kind of like related for me, but it might be a little bit of a step. But like when I first got into cannabis journalism, I interviewed a family of a little girl who, um, you know, she wasn't developing on like the, the scale that other kids were developing and she had constant seizures and like her parents gave her THC, like they gave her cannabis with THC. It wasn't just CBD, right? Which was like more normalized at the time. And the dad was like, you know, we gave her all these drugs that made her high and were killing her pancreas. And she was in a vegetative state and we gave her THC and look at her now. Like from that point, she was developing on the same range as kids, you know, would develop typically. So um, there's just a weird stigma around like, oh, getting high. Oh, CBD only, you know, which we talked about earlier, Keegan. Um, and even giving CBD to your children, because I've written several pieces about that. And the pushback I received from doctors even who are in the space as cannabis doctors saying they would not give CBD to children. And then I think about, because I have multiple autoimmune diseases, uh, I've had my life irreparably changed because of pharmaceuticals. And then I think back as a child having allergies and things like that, and they just gave me Benadryl like it was nothing. And you think it's harmless, it's Benadryl. And then just do a little bit of research about Benadryl. You know, <laughs> take five minutes to look up Benadryl. And I'm just, it's just mind boggling to me because CBD you know, is for, in my opinion, and this is going to be a hot take here. I think it, with all the things that children are dealing with right now and the developmental delays that children are facing, I think it can only be a, benef a benefit to add it to their systems. And obviously everyone has to make that choice and, and it has to be, you know, their own dose and all of that, but I don't see anything wrong with it. And I've done a lot of reporting on it and I've, I've listened to the other side and I still am like, I don't, I don't see it. I don't see it. Yeah. I, I think for me, it's like, I've done a lot of reporting on it on my side as well. And then like that dad changed my life in a way of him being like, we give her THC because that gives her a quality. Speaking to your point though, it's like, even, you know, with children, it's a completely different story, but when I was on pharmaceuticals to manage my Crohn's disease of endometriosis, there were times where I didn't really even know where I was, you know? I mean, I've had multiple careers, one of them being a hairstylist, and there were times where I was like, I don't know what I'm doing right now in the middle of a haircut, you know? I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but not a whole lot because I was given things that were called Dopamax on the street for my migraines, you know? And it makes you space out, forget words. I mean, I would I would be talking to somebody, it still affects me to this day, and words are kind of my thing, you know? <laughs> I've learned to change my relationship with that over the years, like what I expect myself to say and my language relationship or my relationship with language and all of that, you know? But the bigger point is... <laughs> Pharmaceuticals have changed who I am fundamentally in a way that I have had to repair so much over the years. And the only way I've been able to repair any of that damage is through plant medicine. Absolutely. That's so real. Well, and also talking about, you know, kids and stuff, because I, I mean, it's an adjacent experience, but when I was like 12 or 13, I got put on two or three different prescription meds because I got diagnosed with bipolar which i don't have um just because it's in my family history and it was like i was a troubled teenager i was emotional um i think i had a lot of issues with identity with my queerness and gender and all of these things that i couldn't work out in the 2000s and yeah rather than uh actually really getting into it or we didn't have things like cbd of like okay maybe this kid just needs to kind of fucking chill out is like they're a teenager <laughs> You know, um, instead it was very much like, uh, no, we're just going to put them on lithium, you know, um, mm -hmm. and I'm not for 10 years. And that's something I often am like, okay, you know, like kind of what it was, that was the culture I get, but I'm, you know, same vein. I'm like, that was such a pivotal point of my development 
what would it have looked mm-hmm. like to maybe explore right. the option to explore other alternatives just because I was kind of like a wound up, confused, and emotional kid. Like, that's really what it was. Right. Yeah. They did the same thing with me on Ritalin. I mean, it was like the testing metrics were so different back then for ADHD, especially if you were a girl. So, I mean, I wasn't tested in the way they're tested now, and I didn't even get diagnosed. They were testing me for ADD. They said, oh, you know, you're not being challenged enough. That was the <laughs> that was the line. But they just gave me Adderall anyway without, I mean, Adderall later in life, but Ritalin as a child, without even me having a, an official diagnosis, with them saying I went through all the tests and we're still not seeing it because obviously they weren't testing me the way they did. but i mean that's the other part of podcasting to bring it back full circle it's like learning so many things about how broken these systems are and unlearning all of the things that we were taught and conditioned in our past and i think that podcasts are revolutionary in that way because you can really listen to experts from all over and just say okay all right i can take a bit of that and then take a bit of that and you can listen to people be critical of the things that you used to use as as guidance you know like uh one of my favorite podcasts is called if books could kill or if books can kill i think it is i don't know either way it's (laughs) it's a fantastic show and these take these books that people have heralded for so long as like influential you know like women are from mars men are from venus is one of them and they unpack it every, you know, chapter by chapter, and they really look at the person who wrote it, and they look at the history, and they look at the time that it came out, and it really makes you think about, you know, how you were conditioned and all these things that you're told and how the media selects certain things that you can see at all. It's so interesting, and I would have never had those thought exercises, I feel, without that podcast. Yeah, I think that just the uh, expansion and, and you know, I, I could talk a lot of shit about like TikTok or Instagram, but I do think that that's something that just the uh, sort of advent of new media and also just uh, I feel like I learned so much just being able to see other people's perspectives, even the people I don't like, you know, it's like it's amazing just like how open Again, sometimes to a fault, but like that everyone can right. perspective <laughs> uh, and like their own journeys and different. And I, I do feel like that can be so, again, like eye opening and good or bad ways, but we're learning so much about each other. And that also in turn helps us learn about ourselves. Like it's huge. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I've been friends with Danielle, uh, Danielle Simone Brand, who you recently just had on your show and, and she writes for the Hi There app. And I've known her for over five years now. And I feel like we've really started to get to know each other better just by listening to each other's podcast appearances, you know, because we only have so much time in the day to communicate and meet with each other. We live in different states. So (laughs) it's a cool way to learn about her without having to say, all right, let's sit down for three hours on this Google meet, you know, and, and let me learn about you. But even though I've interviewed her many times, (laughs) <laughs> it's still it's still really cool because other people have ways of interviewing that you don't even think about sometimes and they bring up questions that you don't even consider so yeah i think that's really cool too do you have because um you know i think with your like nomination by global cannabis times which i'm like really proud of you i know we just met but i'm very proud of you i'm like you're um oh but do you have any advice for any like new podcast like p- podcasters in the cannabis space in particular huh. yes <laughs> they're all good luck and this is something this is something i wish i had taken in, into account myself in the beginning honestly and it sounds like something that's pretty obvious but it really isn't envision your listener when you're creating your show okay and I'm not talking about like right when you're interviewing. I'm talking about before you line up that person for an interview. Are they going to give your listeners what they want? You might like them. They might be the coolest person around. But are they going to talk about something that other 
people want to listen to other than themselves. And I'm saying that because sometimes those people don't even listen to their own interviews, right? Like, Ben, I don't always listen to myself. I hate to hear myself. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes we just put content out there just to put content because of the pressure of being in the uh, constant stream of media and in the world that we're in right now where we're just getting content from every which way. So we get this pressure to just put it out there, have something out there for people to listen to. Even if it's not the best, it's out there. You're still producing. Um, so don't go with that. <laughs> don't go with that way of doing things. I would say just really think about first, think about what I listen to this episode out, and then go beyond that. Who is your listener? And if you want it to be a, a broad stroke of people, that's fine. But what do they all have in common that would make them want to listen to this episode? Like, can anybody learn something from this episode? Can anybody at least laugh when they're listening to it if they're not learning something? So that would be my biggest piece of advice. That's really good advice. And yeah, uh, it's just like listening intently. I'm just like, oh. I know. I'm like, I'm definitely listening. Yeah. <laughs> We're both like, oh. Soaking it all in. Yeah. <laughs> but thank you for your time today. And I'm excited to thank be you. on your podcast. See, that was, I'm excited um, to and yeah, we we really appreciate. You should both be on it. I would yeah. love you both to be on it. I would love that. I had a blast. Thank you. It, it it seems like you've been doing it for a long time. Honestly, I'm not just saying that. You both seem seasoned. So that's <laughs> <laughs> the benefit of having. I think it it helps to have that journalism background. You know, I mean, it really truly does. So anyway, but oh, you're both okay. it's just a blast to talk to, you, and then I just loved the experience and i i'm just so thrilled to do more with you both because i think we're going to do a lot together so yeah we'll see the grace next time on your highness you know yeah invited i love that yeah no thank you so much for being gushing but yeah no we'll let you go i hope you have a great one and yeah well i'm sure we'll talk soon all right talk soon take care Bye. bye bye so um yeah, I mean, great conversation all around and also appreciate coming from a pro that we are, uh, you know, we're on the right track. It's really nice to hear from someone who has so much perspective. Um, but yeah, her thinking that like we know what we're doing, like it's so validating. I love being validated. That's where I think that being able to have other people who just get it, you know, um, yeah, it's like I already knew her. You know, like she comes in, we've never talked before, and it was just we already have this basis. So I want to talk about your ew. I um, and it, I love it because you know, four twenty is upon us. Four twenty week. I mean, we are in the midst of like our biggest celebration of cannabis culture, right? So I would love to hear what that means to you, and maybe why you love it and hate it and everything. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, you 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 said it. it so my you specifically, but I am gonna kind of bring this out a little bit more is going to a dispensary on Forge Twenty, and I say that uh, you know, I've I've talked about this a little bit for in the past, but I used to work in the cannabis industry, and I spent two four twenties. I I worked two four twenties. And I will say, like, at the end of the day, it's not like it's, like, the worst thing ever. There's a lot of prep that goes into it, and there's a lot of, you know, I guess, anticipation. And the two 420s I worked at were in Fort Collins, Colorado, where I'm sure this has maybe changed since then. But it's a fairly sizable city that has, like, 11 dispensaries, Um, you know, compared to Denver, which has 300 in the metro area. And my dispensary there was far less busy, whereas... Yeah, a normal day at that Fort Collins dispensary would be just pretty busy, pretty nonstop. Very few times where we wouldn't have a single person in the rec line. Um, So 420 itself is just like constant, constant line and hustling. And, you know, all the while, obviously, you're making sure you're being compliant. There's this underbelly of, ooh, is the uh, MED, which in Colorado is Marijuana Enforcement Division, are they going to, you know, try to hit us with a sting this day? You know, um, 
there's all of that and you know of course it's a fun vibe you know everyone's excited and happy but for me as someone who used to work in the industry i just don't feel like a sale is really enough to get me to a be kind of in that environment again on that day and also i feel kind of like i kind of feel for the bud tenders and the staff of like of course they know what they signed up for it's like the biggest day uh in that industry but sometimes i'm like i don't need to be an extra body for what and i don't even smoke that much anymore so i'm just like i for what to get like a bogo edible like i, I just don't really you know so that's kind of my personal you is like hey i get it if you want to take advantage but 420 i'm going to be camped out right here like and that's another thing that's interesting to me is there was an air wellness survey that said that 39 percent of cannabis consumers are going to observe 420 as a holiday which like i did have to kind of laugh like you know of, of course if you're going to be high and that's your plan to be high on that day and consume and enjoy then hell yeah for me i'm just i i, I feel like the last time i really had like a 420 in that way i was like in college i just i i don't know like not to not trying to paint any person who's just trying to be you know high and enjoy the day in that way but i think 420 maybe just is a little bit of my ew and maybe that's controversial but mostly because i just remember when i was a you know older teenager young adult when i was in college it was sort of on the way to being legal in colorado but it just felt a lot more uh, impactful because it was a protest and it was something that people went out and smoked weed in public and did it as this sort of hey, uh, why is this criminalized? This is foolish. This is something that brings people together that is healing, that's helpful. And now it feels like Weed Black Friday in uh, legal states, I should say. Um, and I just, without going into it, I also have a lot of critiques of just how everything resorts to capitalism. Everything resorts to profit and making money. I could say a lot about that within the cannabis space as a whole. So lot to unpack there no i love that i think yeah. it's like, again i think i'm a little cynical about it we'll put it, it i think being in the industry for so long like it's it's fair you know um i mean i could say like 420 in general is like my ooh this week you know um i do love 420 week um and i love what it stands for for the reasons you're saying it's like i love celebrating the plant i like its culture um and then i like that you know, with this plant, I'm able to bring awareness to the parts of it that, you know, deserve attention when it comes to activism around there's people that have, you know, been in prison for decades over a plant that I can consume freely and legally every day. Um, and then also, you know, like empowering businesses that are ran by people of color because they are predominantly the people that get locked up for cannabis you know over time so like what can i center that right. thing you know like how can i approach this holiday in a way that's meaningful still you know I you and i are actually like it's interesting that my you and your ooh are kind of the same because i also feel like we're meeting in the same space i think that there's so many more important things that we used to often highlight on that day and we could continue to uh, if we keep propping up that holiday, like you said, really kind of turning back to the advocacy side of it, of like, there's still this major stigma around this plant and on the weed holiday, we're focused on sales and profit, you know, yeah, like different conversations we could be highlighting a little bit more to better destigmatize and to better advocate for this plant that has seen a lot of progress, but still has a lot more to go. 100%. I think that's like beautifully said because like, obviously like we live in a consumer environment, like everyone has to get their bills paid. Like I get that like 420 is a great time to buy products for yourself and like for others. And like, I'm not discounting that. And for me, because I'm not like living a stoner life at this point, um, I think it's important to center what means something to me, you know, and that is yeah. more like the advocacy side. So, yeah, I would love to go back to the roots of it being um a protest and talking about the important things that need to still be elevated within that conversation and within the community. So 
And I think that people are doing that work. I should yeah. say that was like, although I, you know, keep highlighting and referencing the sales and all of this, um, plenty of people are doing that work on 420 and year round. And I, I, I guess that's maybe more the point of making sure that they, as much as we can, maybe get the primary focus. 100%. Well, I'm happy that our use use were all lined up all pretty like that this week. Uh, we definitely have a little connection there. So, <laughs> okay. well, yeah, I hope, I, I guess, uh, hope everyone else has a great 420. Yeah, happy 420, everyone. Thank and we you. love you. Thank you. If, you. if you've listened to this, like, just know, like, it means the world to Keegan and I. We enjoy doing this. We love um, being able to, like, highlight wonderful people in the cannabis community but also like sharing with you and letting you know like no matter what it doesn't matter what your cannabis consumption looks like or not um you belong here in this community and the community is vast and it doesn't have to look one way so yeah if if you want to find us please join us on hi there um you can also find us on instagram you can find keegan at cromwich you can find me at jamie l solis and then, of course, please follow Hi There at Hi There app. Um, you can also watch this beautiful video of our gorgeous faces um, on YouTube. So just look up Hi There Social Sash. Um, and then, of course, the podcast comes out every other Wednesday. You can find it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, like, please come. And one quick thing, we'd love to see you on the Hi There app. Uh, we're doing something really cool. You can come and post a story and put a little sticker that says Puff Puff Pass and join our global rotation and share your story with everyone on the app. So yeah, I hope to see you there. And if you are there, come and find me. My my name is Jamie Solis on the app. So it's easy to find me. Yeah, absolutely. I totally appreciate everyone listening. Um, I loved our episode today. I loved our conversation. And yeah, as Jamie said, we'll be back in another two weeks with another great guest with uh, some more topics, more stuff to dig into. It will be May. Yes. Just horrifying. Um, but yeah, in the meantime, hope you all have a good couple weeks. Thanks again for tuning in. And remember, there is always a spot saved for you in our sesh. We will see you next time. Take care. All right. Bye, everyone. We love you. <laughs> yeah.